just bring glory and honor to Him. God is good. And this morning, we're going to continue looking at the theme of the I Ams, the I Ams of Jesus. And Jesus said, I am the light of the world. And light's an important factor in the Bible. But what is light? Light comes in all shapes and sizes. I was looking on Google today, this week, about light, things you can buy uh, that re require light. And there's some crazy things you can buy on Google uh, that require light. For example, we've got here uh, the first thing is a toilet. If you, need, if you need light in the middle of the night and you don't want to turn the light on, you can have a self-illuminating toilet. Now, I don't know about you, but that sounds really appealing. I'm getting older, right? And uh, I discover I need to go in the, about three o'clock in the morning. And so I don't want to wake the wife up, right? Something like that seems quite useful. What else have we got? What's the next thing? We got... They, you go to Walmart, Walmart, they can buy, you can buy anything in Walmart, right? You can buy a glow-in-the-dark toilet seat. If you really, fan, if you really fan, if you want to be fancy, you know, your, your, your guests would love something like that, you know, if they're staying over. So you get all sorts of things. We're like, what's the other? We can get, get glow-in-the-dark toilet roll. We like camping here, right, in, in, in the dark, in the, in, the, in the darkest bush. That could be really useful, right? Light is useful. Light's important. Light comes in all shapes and sizes. And then what else have we got here? And this is, um, in all seriousness, you know, we have lighthouses. This is where I used to live in England. This is Roker, a place called Roker in the northeast of England. And we have lighthouses all down the coast. And this is uh, Roker Lighthouse. This is where I used to go fishing, you know, for uh, cod. Uh, or mackerel, if anyone likes uh, fishing, come see me um, at the end of the service. But I, it's important. It's an important lighthouse. Uh, what's, what's, boys and girls, what's the purpose of a lighthouse? To bring light, but why do you want to bring light? To keep the ships safe, yes. And so you get this big lighthouse on a pier. But look at the moon. Isn't the moon beautiful? Reflecting light. Light comes in. Light can be so beautiful and it can reflect such beauty. That's one of my favorite places in the world, Roka Lighthouse. There's another lighthouse there. That's, that's Roka Lighthouse in the morning when the sun's rising. And uh, you think, wow, so beautiful. When the sun rises and you get orange and red and all these beauty and you think, wow, God is good. You can't help but admire God when the sun rises in the morning. And there's another lighthouse. I'm going to show you all the lighthouses that I used to live next to. That one is called Cliff Park Lighthouse. And again, you've got the moon in the background. But the lighthouses are so important to protect, to give safety. And then the third one there is, that one is called Sutter Lighthouse. I don't know if you can see very well, but there's a rainbow. There's a, can you see that? There's a rainbow shining on the lighthouse. Rainbows are beautiful. Rainbows is a symbol of, of hope. And we've got a rainbow, which is from God. And a rainbow, how many colors in a rainbow, anyone? Seven. Seven colors in a rainbow. Beautiful. When you see a rainbow, I think, wow, aren't they beautiful? Light can be beautiful. You can, light can be weird and wacky, like glow-in-the-dark toilet seats, right? But it can also be wonderful and spectacular and glorious. Light is important. Light is important in the Bible. And light is important for the Jewish people. Within the tabernacle, as the people were journeying through the desert, the people of God journeying through the desert, the tabernacle would have light. And it would have one of these, a menorah, within the tabernacle. I've got one here. And it's actually, you can get little candles to go in there. It's a real menorah. And within this, it's got the actual buds. And it says in the Bible that the menorah was made from a single sheet of gold. And they would beat this together and make a beautiful candle holder. And it's got seven sticks to put the, the light. And it would shine all the time in the, in the tabernacle, in the big tent. My daughter came back the other day from school. And for craft, they made a tabernacle. How amazing is that? And she came back. And within the tabernacle, 
would have been one of these, a candlestick holder. And it would have had lights on there. I'll put that there. And it would have been, it would have been lit all of the time to show light, to symbolize God's presence, the Shekinah glory. And this candlestick was so important to the Jewish people because they wanted to say that God's presence was amongst them. And this candlestick holder represented that. It was so important, in fact, that the Romans understood how important that menorah was and how important light was. There's a frieze from, uh, that's the frieze of um, Titus in Rome. And on there, can anyone tell me what's on there? It's the menorah. And so the Romans, when they sacked and destroyed the temple in 70 AD, uh, Emperor Titus, he took all the, all the prized possessions, all the valuable things, he took them to Rome. He actually prized the menorah, the light, above everything else. And they actually sculpted this onto their Roman frieze. And you go to Rome today and you'll see that on the, uh, on the, on the frieze of, of Titus. Uh, and it's, it's important. It was important for the Jewish people. Light is important. Jesus says, I am the light of the world. And that's what we're going to be looking at this morning. And the good thing is, um, coincidentally or providentially, I don't know, but the children have been looking at light this week in their holiday camp. Shine Jesus light, it's called in our Bible camp school. A lot of hard work has gone into it, but it's been a great week. I was uh, able to, to hang around and just to be uh, like a floater for the week. If any, anyone needed water or coffee, I was there. I was ready, right, to serve. I had a great week. So I want to say thank you to everybody, to, to Brittany and to Isaac and to all of the team for making all of that work. We've got a video we're going to show you this morning, a little snippet of what the children and all the adults have been doing. And after that, we're going to get you to do some dancing, if that's okay. So be prepared, psych yourself up. You've got three minutes and we'll, uh, okay, we'll show the, we'll show the video.
boys and girls, awesome. come, come, come. Oh, I want a few adults as well. So when we, we watched, who's, now you're standing up, I can see your faces. I'm going to get, where's Trevor? Trevor was great. Oh, he's gone. Okay, we've got Jesse. He was good. Emily, you, you were going to be my, who else, who else can we put, call upon? People are like ducking and diving here. Who was good? Any, any volunteers from the week who led it, who want to come? We've got adults here. Okay, this is good. But we need, we need some others as well. Who else can we call upon? Who, who do we, who's been annoying me this week? Anybody? Okay. Chad, do you want to come? No? Good. Well done, girls. This is awesome. Okay. Right. Good, good, good. So we've heard the song. The song was the song for the video. So we've got no excuses. If I don't see you dancing, then we're going to uh, stop the video and start the video again until we're all dancing. I've got all morning. What time's the burgers being served? 12.30? We've got two hours. Okay. So, okay. Actions, people. All right. Go. Let's go. Let's go. <laughs> John, John, because you, you said that? Right. <laughs> I was 17, coffee. I don't know that. <laughs> if I'm doing, where's Scott? Get Scott up. He was good. guys thank you Woo. high five that's awesome well done you guys did amazing thank you well done weren't they amazing good job okay that's good well that was a little bit of what the kids did for the week and the leaders did so if you want to help next year then you know what you're going to get yourself in for okay don't worry it's, it's a good week it's a good week we're gonna have a bible reading now and then we'll continue. Thank you, Shona. I am reading from John 8, 12 to 20. Jesus spoke to the people once more and said, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. The Pharisees replied, you are making those claims about yourself. Such testimony is not valid. Jesus told them, these claims are valid, even though I make them about myself, for I know where I came from and where I'm going, but you don't know this about me. You judge me by human standards, but I do not judge anyone. 
and if I did, my judgment would be correct in every respect because I am not alone. The Father who sent me is with me. Your own law says that if two agree about something, their witness is accepted as fact. I am one witness, and my Father who sent me is the other. Where is your Father? they asked. Jesus answered, Since you don't know who I am, you don't know who my Father is. If you knew me, you would also know my Father. Jesus made these statements while he was teaching in the section of the temple known as a treasury, but he was not arrested because his time had not yet come. Thank you, Shauna, for that. So we see Jesus in the temple, and I think it is a fascinating passage. If you've got your Bibles, please turn to John chapter 8, because we're going to do a little bit, um, a little bit of study this morning. And we can see where Jesus is. We know that he is, uh, when he says, I am the light of the world, we know where he is and when he's saying it. Uh, the Bible tells us these things. It says in chapter 7, verse 2, that we know, it says, but when the Jewish Feast of Tabernacles was near. So it tells us it's during the time of the Feast of Tabernacles. And Jesus' brothers say to him, you should go and declare to everybody uh, that you're the Messiah. That who you are, show your miracles. Jesus says, it's not my time. But in verse 10 of chapter 7, however... After his brothers had left to go to the Feast of Tabernacles, he also went. Not publicly, but in secret. Well, we know that's not true, because he then declares he's the light of the world to everybody. And so we see in chapter 7, verse 37, it says, On the last and the greatest day of the feast, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. So Jesus is declaring himself in front of everybody that if you come to him, you will never go thirsty. Jesus is that he will satisfy our needs. He tells people this publicly. And then in verse, uh, chapter 8, verse 20, it says, He spoke these th uh, words while teaching in the temple area near the place where the offerings were put. So we know that Jesus is declaring these things during the Feast of Tabernacles. We know that he's in the court of women. It's where they do the offerings. It's where the little widow give her little tuppence. Uh, so we know the context. We know the location. And Jesus is declaring he's the light of the world. What does it mean? What's the significance here? You see, the Feast of Tabernacles was a big ceremony. It was, it was important. We, some people call it the Feast of Tabernacles. Uh, others call it the, uh, the Sukkot. The Sukkot is taken from Leviticus 23. It's a, little, it's a little tabernacle. It's a little temple. It's a little shack that you'd make, a little tent. You see, the Feast of Tabernacles was the last celebration of the Jewish celebrations in the year. And it lasted for eight days from Sabbath to Sabbath, Shabbat to the Shabbat. And it was a celebration uh, of the time that God had led them out of Egypt. So you've got the Passover, which is the beginning celebration of the year, which is when God led them out of Egypt. And then the, the Feast of Tabernacles is the last one of the year to symbolize that God had led them all the way from through the desert into the promised land. And it's just celebrating God's redemptive plan for their lives. It's a time of rejoicing. It's a time of partying, an eight-day party. And so everybody was called to come. It was one of three celebrations where people had to go to Jerusalem to celebrate it. And when you get there, where do you stay? In a, in a, in a hotel? In a, in a motel on a highway? No, they would build little tabernacles, little sukkots like this, where they would stay in uh, to remember the time when they were wandering around in the wilderness. And they would sleep there, and they would eat there, and they would go to the temple for the, for the celebration, for the party. It was a time of rejoicing, because the Jewish people believed that God was going to restore them once again to their former glory and send the Messiah with God's kingdom. 
It was a week of waiting. It was a week of anticipation. They were waiting for the Messiah to come, and that's what the week was about. The Feast of Tabernacles marked the end of the religious calendar. And it was a great time of year. It was a time of expecting God's grand work to begin. And so every day they would meet in the temple courts. And this is where Jesus says, I am the light of the world. And at the close of the day, all the worshipers, all of the people will get drawn to the court of women to celebrate. And what you'd find is you'd find these religious leaders celebrating those, those steps, 15 steps, I think, leading up to the court. And you'd get the pious ones and they would celebrate and they would dance and they would have the cymbals and the, they would have the tambourines. In fact, I've got some cloaks like the, the Jewish, that these religious pious leaders, who wants, to, who wants to be celebrating, who wants to be someone dancing? Anybody? Yeah? Dan, Dan, you look like somebody who could celebrate. Come here, come here. Dan, I need, I need you, mate. Okay. Dan's a fun guy. Okay, he's one of our pious ones. Okay. Are you in there? There you go. Get on the steps. You've got you to celebrate. Okay. Who else? Who else can I get? Who else is a bit of a, a fun guy? Who else wants to do some celebrating? Anybody? I'll pick you. If you put your hand in there. Okay. Seth, come out, buddy. There we go. There you go, Seth. So you've got these religious leaders every day, and they've got the tambourines. We need more tambourines in the church, Right? And they've got the harps and the lyres and the dancing and the singing psalms. Okay, I've got more. I think these were choir robes once upon a time. We need a choir. That's what we need. Okay, Emily. Come on, bring a friend. Bring a friend. Yes. No? Okay, Emily. Emily's got it. Phil. <laughs> Come on, Phil. We need. This is awesome. Well done, Phil. You have to hurry up, though. Come on. Get rejoicing. <laughs> there we go. I need one more pious person. Who's pious? Anyone else? This side, over here. Come on, buddy. There we go. You've got to do some rejoicing. And so the pious ones would be on the, sta on the stairs, dancing, and everybody's there. Everyone's coming from all over to see these, these people. On the steps, get on the steps. Come on, let's be biblical. All right, and then you've got to do some, like, I don't know, do, <laughs> do some celebrating and things like that. Okay. Yeah, I like it. Okay. So the dancing, the celebrating, and then you'd get the junior Pharisees. And what they would do is they would get, there's a, there's a picture, the next picture. That's what it would have looked like. So see all of the, 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 the guys there on the stairs, the celebrating, the singing psalms. And then you get these ginormous uh, go back, stay in the same one, please. And then you would get these ginormous um, menorah, 75 foot high, these big candle holders. And there was four of them, and each of them had four um, candlesticks full of olive oil. And you'd get one of the, uh, the, 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 these junior priests would come with something like this, full of olive oil, Levi. And so you'd come full of oil. This would be full of oil, and they would climb all the way up to the top, and they would light. We would, that's, so we've got, to, we've got to follow tradition. And so, don't worry, we've done a risk analysis. It's fine. Okay, and they would climb all the way to the top. I'll try not to. And it's with the olive oil. And they would climb up there. How high can they go? Hey, I could do that. I could, I could clear away from holiday camp while I'm up here. Look at this. There we go. You're, you're welcome. And so, <laughs> and so they'll climb up all the way to the top of the candle holder. 
with the olive oil, and they would pour the olive oil, and they would light the candles. So, hey, priests, why are you not dancing? Keep dancing. <laughs> okay. So we got the priests dancing. We got the junior priests. If they didn't fall off, they would have the candles all lit up, really light. So, yeah, no, stay on your stairs. Don't get carried away. Okay. So these candles... Thank you, Levi. All oh, these candles were on fire. And it says, the historian would say that the whole of Jerusalem will be lit up with light. Light would fall on every single house. There was so much light. There's 16 big vats of olive oil on fire. And the light was everywhere. And everybody would come along and see the priests dancing. It was like, you know, an old-fashioned boy band on the stairs. One direction there, you know, but in pious one direction. And they'd be dancing, singing psalms. It was a beautiful time and everybody would come. And these lights, were, these candles were on fire and it was just, every, it was, everybody would have known what was going on. And it was an exciting time. But they didn't just do it for a party. They did it for two reasons. They did it because they wanted to see the Messiah come back. They were waiting for the Messiah. They were anticipating the new Messiah to come to bring in the new kingdom of God. And it symbolized two things. The first was that it was the reality of light of light. The Shekinah glory, you see, the presence of God had left because the people had been disobedient to God. And so they, they wanted the presence of God back. And so they, they created their own presence of the lights and the singing and the dancing. The people left. Well, what's the Hebrew for when the presence of God left? Igabot. See what our elders know? Wise. We should have got the elders up here singing and dancing. And everybody's watching and everybody's waiting for the Messiah to return. Everybody's anticipating the Messiah to come back, the glory of God to come back. If we only have the light and if we only have the dancing, perhaps the glory of God will come back into the temple once again. And so you've got that. And the second thing is this, that this light would hopefully, we you know, welcome the Messiah to come. So you've got the lights, you've got the dancing, yeah, yeah, thank you. Eight days, eight days of dancing, right? And it is at this point in the temple that Jesus Christ is there in the middle and he says, I am the light of the world. You've got your candles going. He says, I, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me, will never walk in darkness, but have the light of life. Jesus is literally saying, I am the glory of God in human form. I am the fulfillment of the Old Testament prophecy. Follow me and I will lead you out of darkness. This is Jesus Christ. This is who Jesus says, I am. You've been looking, you've been waiting. Here I am. You're looking in the wrong place. Jesus was there telling all these religious leaders that he was God. He was the Messiah. Okay. We're going to invite the elders to come up right now. Good morning, church. Um, we want to bless and honor two people here that have been special in our lives for three years. But before I do, as someone that sits in a congregation every day, I want to also honor the team that has led us through the pandemic. The elder board, uh, the pastoral search committee, 
Um, the, the youth that has, the youth leadership that's been amazing. Um, people who have stood at the doors over and over again because there aren't people that have been doing that ushering. It goes on and on. The, youth, the Sunday school, um, we can go on and on. And I also want to honor those who are reaching out from this congregation into our city. There are so many doing that, and we want to bless and honor them. And so at this time, um, I want to tell a little bit of a story here, what happened um, one night when after uh, Pastor Scott had said that uh, they were resigning and going to another church, about 3 o'clock in the morning, the Lord said to me, well, you should do something for the church, and especially for Scott and his beautiful wife. And so we had them this last week, and they came, and they were able to pick out the painting of their choice. And it was like two little school children in a candy shop. And, you know, I witnessed something that probably some of you have never seen. They are so... Um, gentle with each other. It almost made me cry. And uh, they worked through, they went through so many images. It was just, and, and you, you wanted to see everyone before you made your choice, didn't you? <laughs> anyway, this is what they chose, and uh, we want to bless and honor them with this. I just, I just want to make mention to my wife. Uh, she's in the back. She, 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 oh. My wife is, my wife who's in the wheelchair painted this many years ago. She doesn't have the same uh, desire to come up front like she used to before her stroke. But uh, we want to bless you too for painting it for them. So um, before, I think you guys want to say something, but we want to say thank you very much. And this painting does represent something very dear to us. Um, we, uh, we have had the privilege of being able to have a place on, uh, on the coast out at Octopus Point, and there was our Buddhist tree out there, and we called it our Sunday spot. So this, this, this here represents a Sabbath to us, and so as it hangs in our home, it will, uh, it will just represent that to us. But we, we, want to, uh, we want to just share with you, uh, Rain and I have been blessed to be here at New Life, first for two years as members like you, and then for two plus years as, uh, on staff. And so we feel blessed, and we want to share a blessing with you. And I know that word is tossed around a lot. But to define it, it could be said that it is to will the good of the other in the presence of God. And so that's what we would like to do for a moment here. Uh, to say to you that our lives have become richer because of you. God has used you to transform our lives, become more like him. We want to bless you as a church. May God's Shekinah glory be upon you. May God's blessing of light be, shine, be your shining light in the Cowichan Valley. May God's blessing of abundance be poured out upon you. May you never stop knowing, never stop seeking, never stop proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so to bless this new life family, we would like together to say from the book of Numbers, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. On behalf of the elders and the congregation, um, we first want to preface it by saying we didn't want you to leave. And 
tried our hardest to like keep you here because it was just such an amazing team. Your pastoral care that came at such an important time of our church life. Um, you saved a lot of us. And we are really going to miss you. But we recognize the call of God on your life as a minister and as a leader. And we bless you in that. And we're thankful that you're just down the road because we can do some collabs and you are, can be an influencer and all those things, you know, for these young people, you know, we're not that old. We're hip and cool around here. Uh, except don't climb ladders anymore, okay, because we're down to one pastor and that's enough. Okay? Yeah, no more. Um, for the ladies that helped, I, I just want to extend a invitation to every single one of you to stay for lunch and you'd better because we did all the shopping and there's enough food for all of you. You could probably have two things. And it's to honor Scott and Raina and to, to um, just say thank you and to celebrate with them. There's a card if you haven't signed it, just it'll be out and we'll find it and you can add your name to it. But um, for the ladies group that helped prepare the lunch, Raina, you, you were with us um, not a lot of people got the opportunity to get to know you like the ladies' group did. And I just want to say, Scott, how lucky you are. <laughs> she, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Your quiet wisdom um, was so on the Zoom screen. We met on Zoom because we started before COVID and then survived through COVID together. And um, your prayers were very powerful. And I just thank you for it. And the ladies of the church are lucky that they're going to have you as their leader as well. So um, as anyone who would like to come, we're just going to surround them and we're going to pray for them. If you want to come and, and do that, um, you can, can do that now. And, and also, Scott, for the young adults, you recognize gifts and you pulled them out of them. And I know for myself, my son-in-law was one that was very fortunate to have your influence in his life. And I am really glad you're only a few kilometers down the road. So let's stand, reach out your hand. We're gonna pray for them, okay? Bless them as they go. Yeah, come on up, ladies. Or whoever else would like to. Father God, Holy Spirit, we just thank you so much for this couple. We thank you that they came to us as congregants and as one of us and stepped in um, to lead us and to walk us through this season as we looked for Simon, but also just to, um, to love us. Father, we thank you for his warmth and um, uh, his pastoral care that we were um, lucky enough to have. And we just pray as a couple for Raina and Scott as they begin to serve alongside each other and lead this church in Ladysmith, Father, that you would continue to be in control, that you would um, help them, guide them, encourage them, give them peace. We thank, we thank you so much for them and for their children, Brandon and Marshall and their families. God, I just pray for all of them as um, this new season is starting. So, Father, you know new life loves them. And we send them um, with all our energy and our love and our prayers and our thanksgiving for this couple. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Well, thank you very much, uh, church family, and, um, <clears throat> and it is good that uh, we're not too far away. Uh, we'll be able to bump into each other and see each other, and um, I don't know, maybe I'll have to convince Simon to do a pulpit swap, and he can come and preach in my church, and I'll preach in his church, and uh, we'll get to see each other. Yeah? So, um, I do have... Um, I mean, we can leave it that Jesus is the light of the world, but what does that actually mean to us? So I have 10 minutes to be able to present that to you. I'm going to tell you right now, it's going to be more than 10 minutes. I apologize. No, I don't. You told me to stop apologizing. I'm stopping apologizing. Um, 
but uh, Jesus says, I am the light of the world. Now, last week, last week, um, young Mr. Williams gave me three words to use. This week, I got three words from Alicia Bruin, and she said, these are my three words. Um, do you want to, I got, got my clicker going yet, but uh, there we are. All right, so if you haven't learned here last week, what it is is that because we have these, our, young, our young kids in here, um, I asked for three words that I have to incorporate into my message. All right, now, the easy thing to do is just put it in one sentence, right? I mean, you could easily put this into one sentence. I'd be done, and, uh, but I didn't. I didn't take the easy way out, okay? All right, Alicia, I did not take the easy way out. You'll have to listen to see where I put these words uh, in my message. Well, one thing I do love about the scriptures, and especially in the Old Testament, is how you can see the weaving of Jesus Christ from the very beginning to the very end. But, but especially in the Old Testament, and I read the Old Testament for many years, recognizing that it is sharing with us the coming of the Messiah. And I think the day that I, I went deeper and I began to read the Old Testament to see the Messiah, it isn't just announcing the Messiah, it represents the Messiah because, because Christ is throughout the Scriptures in the Old Testament. So just like the bread of life and manna that, 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 uh, that Christ is the bread of life. He is the manna coming down from heaven, right? Manna came down from heaven. Christ came down from heaven. We see it weave through the thread of Jesus Christ all the way through. We are told in, the, in, in Scripture that, that Christ was the creator of all things. Who created light? Christ. He could only create light because he is light. So we see it threaded through, and a glorious thing it is, the Shekinah glory, a glory that is so brilliant and so bright that you and I cannot look at it. If we did, as Moses was told, you would not live. And yet we get this, we get this radiance, we get this reflection, we get, we get what, what we need to understand. You sit here today. Because Shekinah glory was presented to you. And you said, yes. Now, maybe some of you are sitting here going, wait, 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 wait. Don't put me in that category. I'm still, I'm still trying to determine this Shekinah glory. And we say, welcome. We're glad you're here. Continue to explore with us because we're on that adventure together. So as we read the scriptures today, we found that there are, I want to look at two words that are there, and, and one is darkness. Darkness. So when we read in the passage in John, and it says that uh, John 8, 12, that Jesus declares he is the world's light. <clears throat> he says that whoever follows him will not walk in darkness, Jesus, our true light, has overcome darkness. Darkness. That word darkness in the Greek is interesting because it is a word that John uses, the Greek word that is used there, 16 uh, times in the New Testament. 14 out of the 16 times John uses either in the book of John or 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. And it's not just darkness, but it gives this idea of gloom. Now, if you're sitting here today and you have been somebody who has experienced depression, and I know some of you have, when I say darkness and gloom, you go, oh yeah, I get that. <laughs> I get that. And Jesus is the light who has overcome the darkness and gloom. And then we get light. 
And it isn't just simply light, light. It is that you could actually look at it that he is the source of light. So when he says, I am the light of the world, I am the source of light. There is no light apart from me. I am it. I am it. So let's uh, dive into my message. And I have one line that I would like us to remember for my message today, and that is, true light brings true life. Okay? Sound good? So in order to help you to remember that, let's say it together. True life brings true light. Isn't that wonderful? True light brings true life. So in John 3, 19, and we know John 3, 16 really well, right? For God so loved the world that he gave his only one son, whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have have everlasting life. We will often stop right there, but if you keep on going, just a few more verses, you hit this verse here, and it says, and this is the judgment. The light has come into the world, and people love darkness rather than the light, because their works are evil. See, light will expose the darkness. Light will expose the darkness. And we could, um, we could say, yeah, you know, uh, people do like to do things in dark. Uh, I've had a couple bikes stolen. Anybody had a bike stolen here before? Yeah. And keep your hand up. If you have a bike stolen here, keep your hand up. How many of those bikes were stolen at night? All right? Yeah. I mean, that happens. I've had a chainsaw stolen. I've had my car gone through at night. Uh, Yeah, I know. Lock your doors all the time. Yeah, I know. Yeah. And it seems to be under the cover at night. But, But there's another aspect to darkness that happens that the light wants to expose. You know, there's not very many people that will stand up here and will gossip about somebody. We tend to be off in the corner, gossiping over over here. It's kind of in the darkness. Isn't that right? Where have you experienced gossip? In an office? Did somebody stand in the middle of the office and say, let me tell you about so-and-so? They don't do that. They get you in your little cubicle in your office and they whisper that type of thing. Human trafficking begins behind closed doors. Plots to overthrow people happen with whispers. All of these are really representations of darkness. So when darkness is left alone, it will fester in our lives. God designed light to come into the darkness. That's why Jesus says, I have come into this world to bring the light of life to you. The application is that we can't allow our sins to just sit there because they will fester. And when, they, when, we, when, when we try to hide from God, ourselves and others, it only becomes worse. When we try to hide these sins from ourselves, from God and others, it only, it only gets worse. It only festers. I'll give you an illustration. I had the privilege when I was, uh, when I was 16 years old Whoever thought about this, was a, they had a great idea. Give a 16-year-old a, a machete about a meter long, right? I mean, that is the perfect job for a 16-year-old. I got a machete, and, and they're going to teach me how to shear Christmas trees. I, I, I just, that was just a great job. And you had to, if you done it, Seth, if you shear, yeah. And when you shear a Christmas tree, you actually... Do it by walking backwards and shearing. So the tree is here, and you just walk backwards, and you shear that tree like this. And the, the thing about it was is that when they collected their crew, to be able to stay on the crew, you had to keep up with everybody. And if you didn't keep up with everybody, then what would happen is you'd get tossed. And I had a buddy. His name was Reese Scott. His actually name is Scott, but we called him Reese Scott. And uh, so Scott and Reese Scott were shearing together. And Reese Scott was getting a little bit behind. I didn't want him to get tossed off the crew, so I decided I was going to shear a few of his trees to catch him up. So I'm going along, and I've got three trees sheared. He's got one tree sheared, maybe one and a half. And um, and then I realized one thing you have to do is you have to pick a lead top of the tree. So when you shear a tree, you also have to pick a lead top. And if it only has one, it's pretty easy. You just trim that off, and you have a pair of clippers. And you reach up with a pair of clippers, and you clip off that 
that, uh, that top, and, uh, and then the, w- the way you go. You're actually supposed to do that at the beginning before you shear, and then you shear everything around that. I didn't. And I realized that I had forgotten that, so I did the quick method, which was the wrong method, which was to take my knife and to go, foom, foom. And I get up to this one, and it's a little bit thicker, and I go, foom. And that knife came down, if you don't like blood, and it hit my hand, and I cut myself. You can still see the scar. If you want to come up here and see this, not now, but you want to talk, to you can still see the scar right here. And I did the most sensible thing. I cut myself, I put that right here, and I decided I was still going to try to shear trees. And going like this, it just didn't work very well, and it moved around, and blood was going down my leg and everything. I know, okay, if you don't like blood, you're going to pass out here. And so I decided I needed to tell somebody, because it wasn't good just to leave this thing alone. And so I, I go to, my, I go to the, the, the crew boss, and I said, uh, hey, I cut myself. He takes my hand, literally, he takes my hand, he grabs hold of it, he lifts it up in the air like this, now blood's going down here. He goes, everybody Stop! Come here! Come here! Some fool cut himself! <laughs> I was the first one that year to cut myself. And so then everybody gathers around, he sticks my arm like this, and he makes me explain how I cut myself, and he says, go get it attended to. Now, just for a moment, think with me. If I didn't say anything, I didn't attend to that, I just, I just let it sit there, and I let it fester, what's going to happen? It's going to become infected. And if I still don't do anything with it, it's, gonna, it's really going to become infected. It's going to start going up my arm. If I really don't do anything with it, it's going to get gangrene. And that's when it becomes really smelly. Yes! That's when it becomes really smelly. When we don't allow the light to expose our darkness, our sin, sin becomes smelly. You've been around some smelly people? I have. I look at him in the mirror often. I mean, it's easy to look at somebody else and go, man, they're really smelly. It's another thing to look at yourself in the mirror and go, I am really smelly. I'm stinky. See, Christ came to expose the darkness. That's what he came to do to bring us life. All right, you want to be here all day because the burgers are being cooked? True light brings true life. When darkness is exposed, we now have true life. Second is this, true light will keep us from the darkness. True light will keep us from the darkness. And so we come back to our verse uh, verse uh, 12 in chapter 8, and it says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. That's why perhaps the writer of Hebrews had in his mind 12.2, where he says, fix your eyes on Jesus. And it actually means to give full attention to Jesus. When we keep our focus on the light, and that's why... They had those pillars way up high so that it would cause them to look at the light. We come to the Bible, we read the Bible so that it will show us the light of Christ. We have people in our life that will reflect the light of Christ. When that happens, we give our full attention. It keeps us from darkness. John 1.5 says, The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness cannot overcome it. Read this with me, okay? The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Yeehaw! Yeah, amen! That is so good. That is the hope we have. That is the light will keep us from the darkness. All right, I got another story for you. Years ago, when I was much younger, they decided it would be a good idea for myself and a few others to run a camp in the, in the fall at Imadine. It was for teens. And I came up with this wild night game, and the kids were running around. And but before we started, I told them, I said, listen, there's an area that you cannot go. 
They're doing some construction, cannot go in this area. And, and I said, it's going to be taped off, and I'm going to have somebody there in the back of a truck, and they're going to have a light. And so if you see that, stay away. Because I know that just telling kids, you know, youth to stay away from something, it's like, ooh, I must go and check it out. I must see what is there. If I can't go there, maybe I should. So I put somebody on duty. I am smart. I am brilliant. And so Dan is in the back of his truck, and he's got one of those massive lights. And he's sitting there, and about 20 minutes into the game, I get a call on the radio. Um... Scott, can you come here? Somebody fell into the construction area. Now, this is what was the bad part was, is that when they were doing the construction, what they did was they opened up an old septic tank. Oh, yeah, an old septic tank. And they opened up this old septic tank, and so we didn't want any of the kids to fall into this septic tank. And sure enough, Dan goes, yeah, uh, you better get over here because a uh, kid just fell into the septic tank. I'm going, what in the world? So by the time I got there, the kid had pulled himself out of the septic tank. And I said to him, Dan, what happened? What happened here? And Dan says, Scott, believe me, I did everything I could to get this kid away. He says, this is what happened. He says, I'm, I'm, I'm in the back of the truck and I hear some rustling. Rustle, rustle, rustle. So I turned my light to where I heard the wrestling. I couldn't see him, but I kind of knew I was right there. And I said, hey, you, get out of here. You're not supposed to be here. And then he says, I just slowly, I, as, I, as I said to them, just go over here, follow the light. Go over here. And he said, you know, I turned the light off thinking, okay, this kid's got the idea. And he says, so I hear some more wrestling. So I turned on the light. And he said, now I actually see the kid. He's laying flat on the ground. And so he goes to the kid. He says, hey, dude, with the orange shirt, I see you. Now, if you've ever done anything at camp, and you, I mean, this is classic, right? It's like the kid doesn't think he can be seen. No, I'm not the kid in the orange shirt, all right? It must be somebody else. And so again, Dan says, listen, dude, you can't be here. He says, follow my light and get out of here. And he says, I did it a couple of times, but the kid didn't move. But I figured, okay, well, he gets it. So I turned off the light. And he says, then all of a sudden, I heard this. And the kid, the dude is just running. And then all of a sudden, just before I got my light on, I heard this splish. Ugh. Now, this, this kid, Josh, I won't give you his last name because some of you may know him. Um, this kid, Josh, is like six foot. He was at the time, he's like six foot two. And this is no joke. I'm not saying this because I have to say the word. It is actually true. He was up to his armpits. <laughs> he was up to his armpits. No joke. No joke. And so, um, anyways, I said to Dan, I said, okay, where did he go? And Dan goes, he turns on his light and he goes, just follow the path. <laughs> and every time he walked, boom, sloosh, boom, sloosh. It just came off of him. It was, it was really gross. <laughs> Let me give you this quote. You might have heard this before, but it is so good. Sin will take you farther than you ever intended to go, cost you more than you ever expected to pay, and it will keep you longer than you ever intended to stay. Darkness. Darkness has come to keep us, sorry, light has come to keep us from darkness. Sin, darkness, will take you farther than you ever intended to go. It'll cost you more than you ever expected to pay, and it will keep you longer than you ever intended to stay. All right, my last point. Light will transform you out of the darkness. And so when you look at the second half of this verse, it says, whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. It is something that transforms us. In 1 John, we read 1 7. 
John writes, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from sin. Walking implies that we are in constant movement, movement towards being more like Christ. The movement with Christ is this sanctifying work. That's what sanctification is. It is moving towards him. It is becoming more like him. It is being transformed into the image of Christ. That is sanctification. And that, the light has come. Jesus said, I have come not just for you to go, oh yeah, Jesus came. And one day I'll be in heaven, which is fantastic and I look forward to it. But he wants you to walk in the light today. Not just one day when you're in heaven. He wants us to become more like him, being transformed. That's why he's come into the light, come into the world, that we might walk in the light. We need the light because it will transform us to be like him. Interesting, isn't it not? In Matthew 5, 14, he says, you are the light of the world. Back here, we were reading that he says he is the light of the world. Now, if you hear, he says, you are the light of the world. What's up with that? Well, Christ in us, the hope of glory, he is in us. The whole idea is for us not just to sit on something that is so good and so wonderful and so great and so true and so beautiful and so transforming that we just say, oh, I'm going to keep it to myself. No, it is meant for us to give away. It is meant for us to share. That's why he says that, do you take a light and hide it under a bush? No, it's meant to be shown. Do you, the city on a hill, is it hidden? No, you cannot hide it. That's why they, they took these big lights and they, 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 they poured the, the oil in it and they lit it because you could see it all around. As Simon said, you could see it all around Jerusalem. You knew it was pointing to God. And our lives with the light of Christ in us is to point us to point people to Jesus. We have Christ in us. We have the light. I like what Eugene Peterson says. And so here's another way to put it. He says, you, you're here to be the light bringing out the God colors in the world. Isn't that beautiful? God is not a secret to be kept where you're going public. We're going public with this. As public as a city on a hill. Church, you're going public with this. If I make you a light bearers, you don't think that I'm going to hide you under a bucket, do you? I am putting you on a light stand. Now that I've put you there, on a hilltop, on a light stand, shine. Keep open house. Be generous with your lives by opening up to others. You're prompting people to open up to God, with God, the generous Father in heaven. So my last illustration is this. I'm going to land a plane. It is a joy to be a homeowner. I like owning my own home. But there's always maintenance to be done. There's always a light fixture that needs to be done. There is always uh, something that I need to uh, fix. Maybe a leaky faucet. And the one thing I don't like to do out of everything that I have to do is plumbing. I do not like plumbing. I'd rather get shocked than the other stuff. But every once in a while, what I do have to do is I have to fix a leaky toilet. Yeah. You know, you might have to flip, flip a, a, a flapper. You might have to fix a flapper. You might have to even sometimes take out the whole guts and put new stuff in. You see, I use a toilet, but it's in the inside that makes that toilet work. Christ in us, being transformed. It's the inside. It's the inside little things that I come and I surrender over to him. I say to him, oh God, my Savior, my Lord, I need you this day. For I have gossiped. I have slandered. I have looked at what I should not have looked at. I've engaged what I should not have engaged in. And I lay it down before you. As I am transformed in that way, his light shines through me. So, true light brings true, true life. 
Light exposes the darkness, light keeps us from the darkness, and light transforms us out of the darkness. So let me give you a little bit of a takeaway, okay? So what do I do about it? You, you've heard me say this before, slow down. Slow down. Start your day by two or three minutes, five minutes, ten minutes in silence, resting in his presence. Begin your day with him. And then at least end your day by examining. Ask yourself these questions. How was God present in my day? What prompting did I notice? How did I respond or not respond? Or where did I, where did I do my own thing? When we come to this place of examining ourselves, starting off with him in the morning and ending our day with him, we will be more apt to be his light and shining. So let me end with this last thing. Because if we don't do these practices, we will find ourselves sitting on a toilet one day, realizing that we have smelly armpits. <laughs> 